Why are you so nervous, Marcus? It's all right, mate. Yeah. <laughs> good day, chick. And I'll just say, right back at him, I'll say, good day, toots. Did the t- boys take the piss out of it? Yes, we did, but we all did enjoy it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Pressure Point podcast on this lovely late Monday night that we're recording at the moment because uh, Quinny had netball duties and uh, we're a bit late, aren't we? That's it. Uh, someone had to fill in uh, when you got your little knee injury, your little, gra- your little graze that you've got on your knee there. If we want to put a photo up on the socials, we can do that. It's uh, not very graphic. You hardly know it me. was there if you didn't have that big Band-Aid on it that's over-exaggerated. But yeah, I filled in for netball tonight. Took your spot in uh, centre position. I reckon I did quite well. Did you? Yeah. I heard we lost. Yeah, we lost by point. Mm. It uh, had nothing to do with me. I was in the centre of the ground. My shooting had nothing to do with it because I didn't get the shoot. So, yeah, yeah no, it was all right. It was a good game though. It's a bit, a bit of fun. It is. It is a bit of fun. Good Monday night fun. So, mixes up the week, which is good. Um, but, mate, big weekend of footy though. That is what we're here to talk about. And um, both our teams had a win, which, Abs- is, which, is, which is fun. Absolutely. As much as I would love to sit here and talk about uh, Will Smith slapping the shit out of uh, Chris Rock today at the Oscars, I'd much rather talk about both our clubs getting a win this weekend. And I did not expect Richmond to come away with a win. So to sit here on the Monday evening and, uh, yeah, have both our teams winners is a, was unexpected, but a, a beautiful surprise nonetheless. It was. I thought the Tigers looked great yesterday. Really um, responded well after last week and missing some key players. I thought you guys did really well. Yeah, we had a lot of young guys that responded um, and some of our older guys as well. Trent Cochin was copping a lot of heat in the media. He had a really good game. He had eight tackles, 18 disposals, I think it was. There's a whole bunch of uh, contested and score involvements, all, the, all of it. He had a great game, I thought. And Tom Lynch was another one. He kicked three, had about um, two assists. Yeah, great game all around from a lot of the young guys as well. So, yeah, yeah. No, very happy with how they played. And, um, yeah, when those guys come back in, if we can keep that kind of form, I might be... Bit more optimistic. Yeah, might be talking flags again, Tiger Land. <laughs> Flag tags. <laughs> nah, but the uh, the big topic for the weekend and probably the biggest the biggest of the year would would have to be Buddy kicking his uh, his one thousandth goal. Mate. Said that right this time. You did. You um, got it out. Um, and seeing the scenes that with the fans running onto the ground was was quite incredible. And yeah, probably we'll never see again. And um, and for him to do it with five minutes to go in in the game as well. Um, it was great to see, and, and it looked like he was absolutely lapping it up as well. Oh, but you, as you would, though, you kick a thousand goals, all these people in the ground, you know, they're all there for him. Um, I had family at the ground, and they were sitting top level. They went for the last quarter, they made sure they went to level one just so they could get on the ground, and sure enough, they did. I mean, I think most of the stadium did get on the ground eventually, but it's an unbelievable experience. We're probably never going to see it again, and I'm just shattered it didn't happen a week later, so we could have mm. gone to it in Melbourne, but. I think it was fitting that it was at the SCG, at the home ground of the Swans, and you know, Buddy had his family there, his friends there. I'm pretty sure he had family from interstate and overseas fly in to watch the game. So it was, yeah, it, would not, it couldn't have been more fitting. Yeah, he he had to do it that night with everyone. I think his sister came down from LA and she was leaving on like Monday, so he had to do it that night. And I don't think the Sydney players were were not going to let him do that. They were, they were really looking for him in that second half, and um, and it was great to see. I mean, he's going to go down as one of the all-time greats, if not the greatest of all time, certainly probably the greatest of the modern era. Um, and to see him still playing and, and to kick a milestone like that is, is pretty incredible. And um, just looking at that photo on our screen here, it's, uh, it's iconic, really. It's going to go down in history as a, a real iconic moment of the game. Oh, it's very special. And like you said, especially in today's day and age, I mean, you see all the classics that have kicked the 1,000 goals, you know, got Gary Ablett Sr., Jason Dunstall, Tony Lockett, Plugger, we all know. 
But the era that Buddy has played football in is so different to the way that they played where the defense is a lot better now, the zones, it's not just a one-out key forward. And he still managed to do it. Yep. And, you know, that's the reason I say you'll never see it again or you never see another 100-goal season is because the way that, you know, the team's zone off and all the rest of it. But for Buddy to still be able to do it in his career is unbelievable. And let's not forget, he's 36 mm. and he's still flying. Like, he kicked four goals in a weekend. Yes, they were looking for him. But you're still going to put yourself in the right position, Mark, and kick the goal. So he hasn't. I don't think he's lost a step. Yeah, absolutely. He's um he's incredible, an incredible athlete, and I mean he missed all of 2020, so that was one season away, and he's still, you know. And there's probably other there was seasons before that where he barely played any games during the season as well. So he's missed missed a fair few games over the last few years as well. And saying that, he's 36 and he's been around for what 18 seasons, but mate, to still do it in in this yeah in this era um, is quite incredible and. Hopefully he can go on for another year and, and try to break some more records. I know he's pretty close to, I think, Doug Wade or Ablett Senior are next in, next in the list. Yeah, the next two. Yeah. But uh, arguably missing those seasons in 2020 and, you know, a few bit before that, um, it's probably helped him mm. with endurance just because he's yep. had that year off break, rest the body, uh, and now he's, you know, he came back refreshed, rejuvenated and ready to go again. So I reckon he's got one more year in him. Obviously, it just depends where his head's at and what he wants to do, but I think he could go another year easily and the Swans would be... More than happy to have him on board for one more year. Yeah, for sure. And it'd be great to see him win a flag at, at Sydney. I mean, that's a big reason why they got him down there for, for nine years was to to win a flag. And he's come close twice. So it'd be good to see him finish off. Maybe you know, it could even be this year. They're looking that good. So, um, yeah, it'd be great to see him finish off his career with the, with the premiership at the Swans. Um, another great story, and we'll stick with Sydney, Paddy McCartan. He looks like he's slotted in really nicely into that team. Oh, he has. And I think we touched on him a little bit last week, but I just another great performance he had on the weekend. And he's just reinvigorated his career. Obviously, you know, had famous troubles with his concussions at St. Kilda and was number one draft pick back in, uh, he, was my, he was my age, the year I should have been drafted. He got he went number one instead. But he, he was touted to be a, a, a star and he just never really got there with the Saints. And obviously, you know, a bit of a heartbreak story. But to come back at the Swans, he's playing alongside his brother, He's found a new role at halfback, a little bit like your man McGovern there, but he's just slotted in so nicely at the Swans and he's looking unbelievable. Um, and I just think it's such, it's one of those footy stories that just brings a smile to your face just to see him come back from what he's come back from and still play really good footy. Yeah, for sure. And Sydney have a have a great history of doing this with players where they're, they're able to transform them and get the best out of them. I mean, a lot of players have come from other, club, from other clubs to Sydney that have you know really struggled to get a game and to struggle to, to fulfil their potential. And Sydney just... For some reason, they're, they're just so good at developing these players and turning them into to really solid players. So, um, yeah, he probably couldn't have gone to a better club, really, in terms of that development. No, they've definitely helped him a lot. And you see, uh, maybe it's to do with the academy that they've got, that they just know how to nurture players. Mm. I know, you know, not necessarily at a younger age, but they just have that um, history with nurturing players, and maybe that helps. I don't know what it is, but they've done something right at Sydney, and it's, yeah, it's worked wonders. Absolutely. Um, let's move on to another big topic. Well... A laughable topic, the false alarm at the MCG. Like, it was laughable but scary if you were at the game. I know, like imagine how scared some of those people would have been hearing a fire alarm go off during the game. Even the players as well, like, just like what, what is going on? Like this must be pretty serious. Something you've, you've never seen before. And then to be told it's a false alarm, geez, whatever whirlwind of emotions that would have been. Would you hear some of the turnstiles weren't working properly either? So fans were trying to get out and the turnstiles weren't turning the other way to let them out. So they had to crawl and climb over them mm. all. Imagine if there was actually a fire. Were people panicking, do you know? 
Oh, I think some people were. I think that I remember Scott Penelbury said they, um, the players were starting to panic when they just saw the crowds rushing out of the ground and like, what is happening? And the players were getting ushered into the middle of the G. Yep. What would happen if this was a serious fire or just say there was an attack, whatever it was, right? And the MCG is like burning and collapsing and these players are all stuck in the middle of the ground and yeah. they can't go anywhere. I mean, I know it's an open space, so you're probably relatively safe there, but it, it'd still be so scary. Yeah. Um, and even for the fans, yeah, especially when the turnstiles aren't working, you know, all you want to do is get outside of the G and you can't. Would have been a spooky experience, but yeah, the false alarm has uh, raised some eyebrows. I think it was from an over uh, a large amount of steam coming from one of the food yeah. vendors, yeah. I think is what yeah. set it off. So, so there was something, but like not to the extent of a, a fire evacuation. No, but I guess the smoke alarm is going to pick up, yeah. you know, that amount of steam and it, it's done its job essentially. Yeah. So, I mean, you can't really knock it for doing its job, but yeah, it's obviously... Um, the alarm was actually quite scary too. It sounded like one of those war alarms when they were bombing, you know, when you yeah, them, yeah. Like the, in the movies and all that. It sounded like one of those. So I, I would have been very spooked if I was at the game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but about the game, the pies though, they, they looked they looked good. I mean, Adelaide aren't too flash, but you know, no one really expected Collingwood to, to start the way they have, and and they won by I think it was forty two points, I think, in the end. So. Mate, they're doing, they're doing a lot of things right to start the year. Oh, they won convincingly. And that's the thing. You can only beat who's in front of you, and they've done it well. And yep. that's all you can ask as a Collingwood fan. And Your wooden spoon favourite. Yeah, I'm getting a lot of egg in my face at the moment. A lot of Collingwood supporters reminding me of that uh, of that tip, um, which is fair enough. Let it come, let it come. I'm happy to be wrong if you guys are going to play good footy. And let me just say, I think Jack Ginevan uh, really shoved it in Kane Corns' face. With He had another great performance. Yeah, he did. He played well. And it didn't, didn't affect him at all. And that's the best thing you can do when you face criticism in the media is just play a good game the next week and shove it back in the face. Yeah. So, and that's exactly what he's done. And I think he's going to be a pretty handy small forward as well, which we're starting to see a little bit of a re-emergence of the small forwards this season. So yeah. I'm excited to see what he's going to bring as well. But yeah, like you said, Collingwood have just proved everybody wrong in the first two weeks of the round of the season and they're, they're looking quite good. Yep, absolutely. It'll be interesting to see if they can keep it up. I think they've got Geelong this week, so that'll be a huge test for them. But um, yeah, so far so good. They've impressed me a lot and um, it just shows what a new coach can do. They can, you know, all the new coaches in the competition, I think all of them. Well, well there's, there's three. There's so three that Sam, are unbeaten. Yeah, Sam Mitchell, Craig McRae and Michael Voss. They're all unbeaten They're so all unbeaten. far. And playing great footy. So, um, yeah, hopefully it's not just a, you know, when when you get a new coach, you get that early bounce. But a flash in the pan. Yeah. So well, hopefully have had about 25 new coaches in the last five years. So you, you'd be out, you'd have more experience than many other people. Absolutely. So Brendan Bolton, case in point, David Teague. <laughs> Don't think they lost a game for the first six games, six or seven games. So, um, yeah, but hopefully this time's different. But while we're on the topic, we may as well talk about the flaggers from oh, the other here night. Here we go. This is all I've heard. For anybody who doesn't understand, I've had to listen to this every day for the last two weeks now. I Around think, one and two. I think the reason why we're so excited is because we just haven't seen our team play like this for a long time. Like, we've been down for so long. We've all, By round two, it's almost season done for us. <laughs> So to see us, and not just win, like we've beaten Richmond and the Bulldogs, like two decent teams, um, both expected to finish high on the ladder this year. And for us to win pretty well, even though the Bulldogs came late, but to hold on. You know, we had, we had our own COVID scares as well. Um, and, I mean, the coach wasn't even there. So to win that game against the Dogs at Marvel was, was huge, I feel. And um, and just to see our midfield dominate with, you know, Paddy Cripps, who's on fire, um, is great to see. And, I mean, yes, it is only round two, but, I mean, just let us let us enjoy it. it we, haven't, we haven't been able to enjoy footy for so long now. So I think to every current supporter, just, just lap it up. 
maybe don't, let's not talk flags, but I think absolutely enjoy it for what it is at the moment. I'm going to remember you said that next time you text me tomorrow morning saying flag is again or something <laughs> like that every time a carton article pops up. But no, you're right. I mean, I've been in a similar situation a few years ago when we'd been pretty garbage and, you know, we became good and I sort of started getting around it a bit like this. So I guess when the shoe's on the other foot, you tend to, uh, you know, ignore it. But um, nah, in all fairness, you have all the right to be excited and up and about. The Blues are playing really, really exciting footy and some of the stuff the fans are doing are actually making me laugh. It's quite funny. I mean, you listen to SEN and they'll talk about Carlton for about five minutes. I'll start talking about something else and then Carlton fans will text in saying, this is boring, let's talk about Carlton yeah. again. And you get things like that, people bringing up going, I think I might have gone back to the time. It feels like this is 1995. Like they're just <laughs> getting all around it and it is funny to see and obviously Carlton supporters are just loving it at the moment. Yep. But, and they've got every right to. The Carlton juggernaut is huge. Like if, you know, if we end up having a, a really good season and, um, and finishing high up the ladder... Far out, like the the Carlton Army are going to be unstoppable. Really, um, the fan base, like you think, you think Richmond, like Richmond was obviously massive when you were dominating through those through those years. I think Carlton will just be just as big, if not bigger, because um, you can see how how loyal Carlton fans have been over the the, the shit years where we've still had you know over seventy thousand, eighty thousand members. Um, yeah, just imagine when we're actually a decent team. Oh, it'll be it'll be, it'll be huge. huge. It'll, oh, it'll yeah. be massive. It'll be absolutely massive. And with Italy and Greece not making the World Cup, you'll have two <laughs> nations supporting Carlton now. So they've got no one else to follow. So they'll all be on the Carlton train, absolutely. Oh, the stereotypes are great, aren't they? <laughs> well, you're, not, you're not an Italian man supporting well, the Carlton football well, club. Yeah, I am. I am. There's, there's no denying that. But we'll have to go down to Ligon Street for a dinner then and we, you can go meet them all and, um, and yeah, tell them how much you're taking the piss out of them on the podcast. <laughs> No, I'll stick to Swan and Punt. I'll stick to Swan Street <laughs> and uh, Bridge Road, mate. Uh, brilliant. Um, but they do play the Hawks this week, the Blues, and Hawthorne have been a big, big surprise packet to start the season with a 10-goal thumping of Port Adelaide last week, which was easily the biggest surprise of the round, and um, and they did it um, quite easily, I feel. Like they, every, time, they, every time they went inside 50, they were having a shot in goal, so they were incredibly efficient. Um, and Sam Mitchell... I mean, he had the biggest job in footy taken over from Alistair Clarkson and he seems to um, have, yeah, has not put a foot wrong yet and um, and looks like he's, he's got him going. I think one of the things that's helped them the most is the fact that there is no pressure on them to succeed this year. They're a rebuilding club and whatever happens, happens. There's no expectations and I, th- I think that's arguably helping them. And you said that it, it was a surprise. I think it came to, as no bigger surprise than it did to Port Adelaide. I don't think they expected that at all and... The lack of fight that they showed in that game was really disappointing from a Port Adelaide, Port Adelaide perspective. You, your back's against the wall against a team that arguably will finish bottom four and you're, you've made two prelims in the last two years. You know, you, you're tipped to potentially win a flag very soon and then you put up this kind of performance at home where you, you know, you, I, Port Adelaide never lose at home. We even said last week we don't, there's no chance Hawks beat them over there. And they've come and they've smashed them. Not even, a, you know, a very close win. They won by 64 points. And it was, yeah, it was scary from a Hawthorne side of things, just how well they were playing. Um, but, yeah, and Port Adelaide would be very disappointed. And Ken Hinckley, I, I feel, would uh, be feeling the heat right now. Definitely, definitely. I mean, a lot of people picked them for the flag as well. And considering where they've been the last couple of years, finishing towards the top and, and failing in the prelims, you thought this would be a massive year for Port Adelaide. And, uh, yeah, they just haven't have not started well. But... I don't know if you saw the stats for this game, but they dominated every single stat, like positive stat in the game. So they smashed disposals inside fifties, all that sort of stuff that puts you in a good position to to win a game of footy. And um, 
yeah, so I don't know what went wrong, but I think Hawthorne were just more way more clinical going forward. Because um, you look at the – Boke had 39, I think Ollie Wines had 37, Carl Amon had 38 touches. Like Their midfield dominated in terms of possession-wise, but I think Hawthorne were just – just a lot more clean and, and clinical going forward. Well, every time they went up there, they would mark and everything, going mm. back, kicking goals. They just, I know, they just seemed to be enjoying their footy a lot more. They did. They yeah. were somewhat, a lot more free-flowing. It wasn't as constricted and you, you just didn't feel like they had anything, a chip on their shoulder at all. And it, it really showed them the way they played. And yeah, like you said, they just smashed them in every, every aspect of the game. Yep, absolutely. Well, West Coast going into their game against North Melbourne. How many players do they have out? 14, 15, something like that? I'll put it this way. I'm pretty sure before the game, players were introducing themselves to other mm, players yep, saw that. on the ground. That's ridiculous. When mm. has that ever been heard of? And one thing West Coast did, which is actually quite funny, a lot of local suburban footballers like myself, were, I didn't do this, but you know, in the same situation as me, were tweeting and you know messaging the West Coast Eagles there and saying, hey, I'm available this week yeah. if you need me and all that. And West Coast put out a pretty funny tweet saying, oh, yeah. we really appreciate all your submissions, but the final 22 is locked in and all that. I thought it was good that they could see the funny side of the fact that they're missing more than half their team. Um, But the fact that they came in with the squad that they did with people that have never played AFL football before, didn't know who they were playing with, and to come out and nearly knock off North, who, look, mind you, we're not expecting a lot from North this this year, but this should have been an easy walk in the park for any club. Yeah. Yeah. I think that almost says more about North Melbourne, to be honest. Like, they... I don't know. I I don't feel like they played very good either. Um, I don't know if it was... West Coast maybe bringing the standard down. But, yeah, North North didn't look great. And I feel like for a team like, yeah, we don't expect much of North this year, but we sort of do expect them to improve a little bit. So I feel like that was a great opportunity for them to really make a bit of a statement to be like, hey, like we're, we're improving this year. We're not going to be as bad as last year. Um, yeah, their experience and um, the quality of players that North had in comparison to West Coast was, was much greater. So they definitely should have... Definitely should have won by more. Yes, they got the four points, which is important, but I still feel like they should have won by more. And Nick Larky kicked six goals on a debutant. So I don't know. How much can you read into that? Yeah, I mean, look, Larky, like we've said before, he can only do you know what's, what he can do with, yeah. with, with, with what's in front of him. So not knocking that performance, but yeah, just I think the team performance as a whole was yeah. just was poor. Like you said, they, they really should have spanked West Coast, used that as a percentage boost, confidence boost. But to nearly lose and you know, have a tight game... Um, they'd be pretty disappointed and be questioning where they're at because we even tipped them at the beginning of the year to make a big jump. Not yep. saying finals, but just a big jump in performance and improvement and they haven't shown that yet. Yeah, no. Nah. Well, they've got Jason Horn francis who, who's looking great. He was he was brilliant yesterday. Um, and even Hugh Greenwood was, was really good too. He was probably their best player. So they, um, yeah. So the, their new recruits are doing well, but I think, yeah, I think there's still a long way to go at North. Um, alarm bells at the kennel. Well, they're zero and two, which I don't think anyone would have expected last year. I mean, they had they have had a relatively tough fixture, so you know you can let that one slide. They had the D's round one, and then they've had a very informed Carlton in round two. They've got the Swans next week, who are flying at the moment. They could potentially be zero and three as last year's grand finalist. That's not the position you want to be in as Luke Beveridge, especially with the, the heat that's been on you the last couple of weeks. With you know not playing Jamar, then playing Jamar, the whole Tom Morris saga. Um, there's a lot of things going on at the moment. You just wonder what's going through Bevo's head at the moment, knowing he's staring down the barrel of starting the season zero and three. Yep. Not saying this is the end, but did I start questioning things? Yeah, I mean, not many teams make finals after being zero and three, do they? 
you know, like it's it, it history suggests it's it's very hard to do. I think I think a team maybe Brisbane did it last year, but you geez, you need to get everything right after after that. I think I think if any team can, it's going to be the Dogs because we know how good the Bulldogs can be. But geez, they've made it made it very hard for themselves. So, um, but that leads us into we may as well jump into round three because the Doggies are up first against Sydney on Thursday night. Absolutely, that's a huge game. That's a huge game with the Sydney arguably the best team in the competition right now. Oh, absolutely, they're flying. And I said this before, but we were both hoping this would be Buddy's one thousand, yeah, one thousand game. But um, I'm not even gonna try and say one thousand yeah, game. Yeah, well, you know what I mean. The big one, set, well, the big one thousand game. Not, yep. you know what I mean. Good stuff. <laughs> um, but that this is touted to be a massive game, and it still is just because of the matchup that it is, and both teams. Well, Sydney's flying, and the Dogs are very talented, and we know that they're going to be good, or we expect that they'll still be good, but they need a win. So they're going to be absolutely firing. Home deck, you just, I don't know. You, I I still think they're going to lose. I reckon Sydney are going to beat them. Sydney just look too good. Isaac Heaney's in flying form. Buddy's obviously playing pretty well. Um, Paddy McCartney, we mentioned before. Their whole midfield is shaping up really nicely. Um so I reckon, yeah, I reckon they're gonna they're gonna beat the dogs, and dogs are gonna be zero on three to start the year. Yeah, I'm just reading here. It looks like Aaron Norton's in big doubt for for Thursday night as well. So that that if he doesn't play, I, don't, I can't see the Bulldogs beating Sydney. Should they brought him back on against Carlton? Because he went off at one stage, and they brought yeah. him back on, didn't they? Yeah, he, yeah, he didn't do much either um, that game. But yeah, he he I think he went off the second quarter, um, and then came on came on late. But yeah, and then he even missed some pretty easy shots on goal too. So. Uh, I don't know, but yeah, if he goes down there, I think yeah, it's going to make the job a lot harder. And yeah, I think Sydney, given their form, are going to be too strong. Well, I'd, l- I'd love to hear this from Doggies fans as well because they'd probably have a bit more of an inside depth knowledge than I do. But they've obviously been very, very reliant on um, Aaron Norton and his high flying aerial marks and the goal kicking and all that, especially with Josh Bruce in. Josh Bruch. <laughs> Josh Bruch. <laughs> That's coming on a on some sort of reel later uh, in the year. It's going to absolutely do that. Josh Bruce, um, with him being injured with the ACL injury, has Bevo made a mistake by not blooding Jamara Yugelhagen and giving him more opportunity? Because now he's going to be their key forward if mm. Norton doesn't play. And he's got, what, three games under his belt? He looked very raw last week. And that's by no fault of his own. Bevo, you know, is kept saying he's not ready, he's not ready, he's not ready. Well, he's not going to be ready if you don't give him an opportunity. Mm. And I know he's been cracking the shits with the media for it for asking him about where where's Jamara but now his two key forwards are injured and always really got is Jamara as a key forward and he, like you said he looks a bit fresh and underdone yeah he just looks yeah just so thin and um just not he's not quite at the level just yet um just looked like he just got out muscled way too easy and he kicked a nice goal last week but yeah I think he's still got a bit of bit to go key forwards do though I mean they always take a bit of time to develop but um, I think as a number one draft pick, though, you sort of expect a bit more. Yeah, you know, 100% quicker. you do. But that's yeah. also, that's why I ask, is do you think it's partly Bevo's fault for not giving him Potentially, a game? Potentially, yeah. I mean, I know it's hard to knock out Bruce and Norton, yeah. but you've got to find a way to squeeze him in just to give him that game time. Mm. He's not going to get better playing in the VFL. Yeah, yeah, that's a fair point. But he's, he's going to have to play now, I think. Um, I mean, well, he played last week. That's why I'm basically, with Bruce out, um, he's just going to just Bruce. have to... Con- Bruce, with Bruce out, he's just going to have to continue playing. If Norton goes down, geez, that's going to make it real tough as him as a sole focus focal point. I, I mean, I can't see who else can really step in there. So Caleb Daniel could be your key forward <laughs> if you needed him to be. 
Exactly. That's good humour. Good humour from you. Oh, thank you. Uh, let's move on to Friday nights. Uh, we've got Melbourne and Essendon at the MCG. Geez, the Bombers. We didn't touch on them earlier, but... Let, let's. We may as well now. I mean, I they did play a, a, a rampaging Brisbane team and they started that game off really well, Essendon, but they let themselves down with some poor skill errors and just lapses in that game. I was going to say, but there was definitely a massive improvement from there the was. way they played against the Cats. Well, so that's not hard. Yeah, no. I mean, you didn't really have to do much to improve from that last game. But I was saying it before we recorded. I don't think it's all doom and gloom for Essendon, as everyone's sort of saying it is now. I think... Zach Merritt out for six to eight weeks. That's the only thing I was about to mention, that Merritt being out for six to eight weeks is really going to hurt them, especially if they don't get Tip and Woody back. And I know that the different positions, but, you know, he's still a key player in their team, an excitement machine. So... It's going to be tough, but I, I still think Essendon are going to be better than what they've shown. I think they've just taken a few games to get rolling, and I reckon it's going to take them maybe a few more games still because Melbourne are going to absolutely roll them this time, I think, at the G. Yeah. The way Melbourne are playing and the team that they've got, I can't see Essendon getting anywhere near them. Yeah, I think the Ds will win this quite comfortably. They're looking uh, just as good as they were last year, and Petrarca is in some serious form as well. So, yeah, I think the Ds will win that quite easily. There's two games on Friday night I've just noticed. A double header. What are you? What are your thoughts on the double header on a Friday? So, but like, how's that going to work? So you obviously can't watch both games because what Essendon are on a, seven. a dual screen. <laughs> yeah, but the majority of people aren't. Like, I don't know. Isn't the whole point of fixturing these days is to try not get games to to clash? No, that's that's usually the point. Yeah, but yeah. I, th- I think they're trialing something different and giving people the option of a couple yeah. of games. I don't know. I mean, the showdown's going to be a pretty big. Oh, one. Be, I feel like the showdown should have its own night. You did think so, yeah. And I mean, you can guarantee everybody in South Australia yeah. will only have the showdown on anyway. So that's almost a lock. But um, I know I'll probably be watching the showdown because you'd figure the other game isn't going to be yeah, as exciting as definitely. what the showdown will be. But yeah, it's an interesting decision to play two games on a Friday night. I, I wouldn't mind just seeing how it goes and then maybe sort of not revisiting it again if it doesn't really kick off. But um, interesting, like you said, the other game is it's the Adelaide versus Port at the Adelaide Oval, obviously. It's the showdown and doesn't really matter where these two teams are on the ladder when the showdown comes around. It's always a pretty even match. It's a little bit similar to, I guess, Anzac Day, Dreamtime, um, Richmond Carlton round yeah, one. It's a huge game. All those big games. It doesn't really matter where any team on the ladder is. It just sort of happens to be a good game. And I reckon this is going to be another one. And, geez, the way Port Adelaide played, it wouldn't entirely surprise me if the Crows beat them. Oh, that'd be... That'd be they, can't, they can't make any impact this year, Port, if they, if they drop this, I think. I mean, to lose... The loser goes zero and three. Um, nah, Port can't lose this, can they? Wow. They can't. I'm going to, you know, I'm just going to go on a limb and go a bit of an outside Ooh. one here. I'm going to go the Crows. Yeah, I don't think the Crows have been that poor. They're just, they've got a young list. They're not looking great. But I mean, I said the same about Hawthorne. And, yep. and last week they beat Hawthorne, they beat North. So I didn't give them too much. I'm like, you beat North, calm down. But to go to Adelaide and beat Port, I'm like, all right, now I'm starting to take you seriously. And I reckon this could be Adelaide's chance. All right, this is going to be... Man, if Adelaide beat Port... Oh, Huge. I think Ken Hinkley is going to be under some serious strife. Well, he's been I there think. 10 years, made yeah. two pre- lost two home prelims in a row. Yeah. Hasn't made a grand final yet. I mean, where's the str- where's the final straw? Yeah, exactly. So that'd be um, that'd be huge if Adelaide do get up and, geez, the media the next day will have a feast on them, especially in South Australia. So that'd be interesting. But I wonder yeah. what Cornsey says about that. Yeah. Very interesting to see what he he does. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, that is the double header on the Friday nights. Um, Saturday, so there's no Saturday Arvo games. Uh, it's the first game on Saturday. Saturday Twilight, um, GWS and the Gold Coast Suns, which 
is an intriguing game, this one, I feel like. GWS and 0 and 2, Gold Coast on 1 and 1. And they didn't look that bad against Melbourne last week, Gold Coast, did they? No, I think it was only 18 points or something yep. they lost by. It was actually quite a close game, and they put in a massive performance. Took Miller again, yep. just Dominated. dominating the competition. If the Suns had King still playing for him at the moment, they'd be a whole other threat altogether. Yep. So you know who's Chol is playing really well. Yeah, for the Suns, and, and I, I predicted he would, especially when King went down, and he was going to be one of their sole targets. I had a good feeling that he would play good footy because he did that when at Richmond before as well. When he had, when we had injuries and he needed to step up, he did a lot of the time. He actually plays worse when he's got other talent around yeah. him, which is funny to say, but I think he doesn't mind the pressure being on him. So he's been playing good footy as well, but I don't know. You'd think the Giants would be looking for a massive yeah. response here. That they're, they're a better team than what their record shows for the season. It's only yeah. you know, two rounds in, but they're 0-2. They wouldn't ex- expect it to be that and came up against a really good Sydney outfit in round one, and then I don't know how they lost the Richmond um, this weekend, but they did. So they'll be looking to bounce back. Home ground, um, I, I'm tipping them. I can't see them losing, but... Yeah, the Suns are going to be pretty dangerous, so nothing to be taken lightly. Yeah, for sure. Um, I reckon it's going to be a really tight game. I think G- yeah, GWS just just because they just need to get a win on the board. Um, yeah, they're too good for, for what they're doing at the moment. So I think they'll... But it also wouldn't surprise me if the Suns got up as well. They've been very impressive to start the year. So um, Stewie Jew's been doing something right in the offseason. Yeah, it's good. I'm glad. Like I hope they do well. They um, Yeah, they need it. AFL needs it, so... Um, but yeah, I think Giants just for mine. Uh, Saturday night, we've got Collingwood and Geelong at the MCG. This is going to be a good game considering the Pies, hot start. Absolutely a hot start. And uh, we, this has always been a big game, Collingwood-Geelong. It's always been yeah, a bit of a rivalry. I feel like it goes uh, unnoticed and a little bit uh, under the radar well, these when it the, comes to big rivalry games. These were the two big dogs in what? 09, 10, 11, 12, like through that period. Yeah, that was exactly, exactly right. They were the ones. So um, the rivalry still, you know, carried through. And it's always a good game watching these two play. And Collingwood's in good form. They're, you know, two and zip. Geelong are in pretty decent form. Obviously had the loss to Sydney on the weekend, but had a massive win round one against the Bombers. So it's going to be a great game. Like, you got to go Geelong just for their pure experience and where you expect them to be this year. But Collingwood as well, just, you know, are exciting to watch at the moment. And you never know, but I'm going to go Geelong. Yeah, Geelong as well for mine. But yeah, if the Pies get up here, geez, I think the Blues fans get excited. I think the Pies fans will be very excited if they can knock off Geelong and go three and zip. But can't see it happening. I think the Cats will be too strong. Um, the other game on Saturday night, we've got Brisbane and North at the Gabba. Brisbane. Yep. <laughs> do, you even, do we even touch on this one? Uh, I, nah, I, I want to make a point of pointing out, I, I do this occasionally <laughs> when the odds are crazy, but the sports bet odds here <laughs> on the AFL website, I have the Brisbane Lions at dollar eight. North Melbourne at eight dollars. That's ridiculous. That's I don't remember the last time I saw a team at eight dollars. That is a lot. That is that is huge. Um, well, although it would have been interesting to see what Hawthorne were paying last week against Port. Yeah, so, that's true. But I, no, I, I think we did mention it potentially in the podcast last week. What they that what may the have been the game been. that you brought up. I reckon last. I think week. it was because remember we gave them no chance in, yep. in Adelaide. So we've eaten our words before. No, but Brisbane, Brisbane looked too good at the yeah, moment, Brisbane. especially with uh, Lockie Neal. Back he to his best. was unbelievable. And you just, you, it begs the question, and it's something I wanted to ask you about as well, and I may as well bring it up now. Do we think it's time to bring back a tagger? And I'm not talking a full four-quarter tagger like a Ryan Crowley, like he used to do, or a Matt DeBoer in his prime. I'm talking, you realise that a player, Lockie Neal, he's had the first half dominated. Let's get someone on for a quarter just to cool him down, ice him off a little bit, limit his influence for one quarter break his confidence a bit, and then have that player come back. I still think there's a place for a tagger in our game because you've seen individuals 
dominating. Petrarca, Oliver, uh, Dangerfield did it against the Bombers. Lockie Neal did it against... Crips. Crips. I was... <laughs> I don't, you may have something at me. I didn't know what. Crips, yes. I was uh, hesitant to say Crips because <laughs> I knew you, the table would lift on your end. But you just... They're dominating the comp at the moment, these guys, and no one seems to be tagging them. Insane Crips, though. I feel like Crips is untaggable. Untaggable. Correct. I feel like he is untaggable. It's too not, big. Yeah, he's too big, too strong. Um, there's not much you can really do to stop him. Got some pace now as well. He's got that breakaway speed. Oh, that's that if that he's, he's full pelt, you're not you're not catching him. Yep. Or you, you you can catch him, but you're not really going to be able to drag him down. And you look at most of his possessions. A lot of them are contested, and they're in contested situations where he's getting dragged down, but he's just able to. His hips are strong. He's able to stand up and get the handball off. So yep. maybe not so much Crips, which is why I wasn't going to mention him. But you had to throw him in there. <laughs> Um, but all these other guys are dominating comps, and I reckon there's still a place for a tagger in yeah. our game. What do you would you agree? Oh, I definitely. I mean, if a, if an opposition player is dominating you, like a midfielder is, you got to send something. You can't just let it happen, can it? Like, well, teams famously don't tag. Like I know the last few seasons, Richmond go, we don't tag. Yeah, we don't tag. I know, but still. But then 2017, you know, to go back, but the 2017 Grand Final, Rory Sloan starts killing us in the first two quarters. We put Jack Graham on him. You didn't see him for the rest of the game. It works. You don't need a full four-quarter tagger. Yeah. Just throw someone for a quarter or two just to ice them off a little bit, cool them down, limit the influence, and, yeah, you, you're off again. So I still think there's a place for it in our game. Yeah, I agree. I think maybe not as regularly, but I feel like there should definitely be some moments where there, where there's, there, where there is one for sure. And I, I'd be looking at hiring Ryan Crowley as a tagging coach. <laughs> he did a very good job. He did. Remember Aaron Joseph? Ooh. Speaking of. He... Uh, Kept Gary Ablett Jr. quiet a couple of times, yeah, which is bizarre. Because not many can do that. Not many can do that. And then Aaron Joseph, who, I mean, a lot I'm of people su- would surprised. be a lot of people would be saying who. I'm surprised you know him. No, I'm yeah. a pretty good one. Pretty knowledge, <laughs> man. Yeah. So yeah, interesting. Um, all right, let's move on to Sunday. Just We're googling Aaron Joseph. <laughs> <laughs> let's move on to Sunday, and the the club that Aaron Joseph used to play for, the Mighty Blues, <laughs> take on Hawthorne at the MCG in a. Grand final preview, some are saying. <laughs> grand final preview, you reckon? Oh, geez. So I got distracted for half a second. A grand final preview. Is what they're saying in the papers, correct? I don't know what no, paper just... you're reading, mate. That's uh, that's bizarre. But no, it's going to be a great clash. There's a lot of excitement around this one. I've got a few mates that are all heading to the game, half a Hawks, half a Carlton, and they're just pumped mm. about what this game could bring. Because from what we saw last week with Hawthorne and what we've been seeing from Carlton, Carlton have been doing this through the preseason as well. So you've kind of expected it, but... Could be in for a real ripper ga- of a game here. Yeah, I think it's going to be a great game. Um, I'm quite, I'm, I'm glad Hawthorne have, have come in with some good form to this game because it means we're not going to take them lightly, as you know, some teams might. Um, and it's a genuine, genuine contest. This one, I feel so. It's going to be really good. Um, won't be able to make it this week, unfortunately, which is a shame because I think it's going to be a great game, especially at the MCG as well. Footy's always better at the G. As as you like to like to say, and like every other Richmond supporter says, so um, it's uh, it's going to be good. And I think I think we'll go three and zip. I think we'll beat the Hawks. Yeah, I reckon you will as well. I can't. I don't see Hawthorne beating you with the way you've been and the way your midfield's looking. Your midfield's just too big, too yeah. strong. Yeah, Cherish Cherish should be back. Cherish back this week. Chara 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 Liam Chara Liam Chara. Uh, yeah, too, too soon. <laughs> Jarrah jokes. But, yeah, now nah, Chera's back and Voss is back. will be back, yep. Um, so, now nah, I reckon you guys, are, yeah, you'll get the job done here. 
Yeah. But just on the MCG thing, mate. Obviously, the <laughs> MCG is the best place to watch the footy. That that's not that's not something no one knows, yeah, is no, it? That's it not new, news to anybody. Yeah. I mean, I, I still travel to Marvel. I know a lot of rich no, well, supporters won't, but I, I went, still go there. I went to Marvel last week for the the Doggies Carlton game, and the atmosphere is nothing compared to the MCG. Like it's actually. It can actually be quite dull at times. Oh, at, at a lot Marvel. of the time it is. Yeah. Well, I was watching the game on the weekend and it was during the day in at, at Marvel and it, it just, it's, it's weird because there's no sunlight. It yep. just feels, but you can't open the roof because the way it was built, the way the uh, stadium is facing, facing. Yeah, because the sun comes the in. The sun comes in the wrong yep. way. It's just, it's a terrible design of building. Yep. Um, building. Which is no surprise. Well, it's a, it is a building. It's yep. a structure. Um, yeah, which is probably why a lot of people don't like going because the atmosphere is just not the same there. Yeah. No, completely agree. I'd much rather go to the MCG as well, mate. But speaking of Marvel... That's what I mean. Saints-Richmond is the next game at Marvel. Which, let me just start off by saying, I'm sick of playing St Kilda at Marvel Stadium. I don't remember the last time Richmond played at It the is gym. their home ground. I'm, I'm, yeah, but, no, but where's our home game? I reckon someone's going to come in oh. and fact-check me now and say that we played them there last year or something. But I don't remember playing St Kilda at you know what the I, G the anytime last, recently. The only time I can think of when you played St Kilda at the MCG was Nick Rewatt's last game. I was at that game as well, late mm. 2017. Yep. And that's the last time I remember. I'm sure there was a time since. But I feel like every time we play St. Kilda, it's always at Marvel, and I'm sick of it because they're our bogey team, mm. and they're good at Marvel, yep. and they always roll us. So it's going to be a good game, though, because both teams are similar record at the moment. No, the same record at the moment. Yep. Um, so we're both looking for a win to sort of break, cl- break clear from each other. And I don't know if Richmond can get some plays back like they're talking. I think Prestia, Jack Rewalt, um, and Grimes. There's one more. Grimes are all going to be back. I, I'm going to give us the uh, the win for this one, but yeah, you never know. Could be interesting. Yeah. I think the Tigers will win as well. The Saints were impressive out in the West um, last night against Frio. They they started off pretty poor, um, but they really came good in that second half. So um, Max King was dominant, which was oh, good to see. We kicked three goals in two minutes or something. Yeah, like that, I think it was. It was, was, so it was unbelievable. As well. Jack, Higgins Jack Higgins responded was really yep. well. They almost kicked themselves out of the game, St Kilda, and I was a little bit worried on their behalf, then I thought, you know, they have every chance of getting all the opportunities and they weren't converting and Frio just started kicking away and I thought, oh boy, here we go. Another yep. another big loss of the Saints. But no, they've responded really well. They bounced back and they got the win. So they're going to be dangerous come uh, next Sunday afternoon. But yep. uh, I think I'm going to give it for the Tigers. Yeah, Tigers for me as well. And then the final game of the round, we've got the Western Derby. Derby. They say Derby, we say Derby. I don't know, whatever. Who knows, Palmy Palmer, yeah. it's all the same. Tomato, tomato. West Coast and Frio. This is going to be, I mean, I don't know how many players West Coast. Surely they'll get a lot of their players back this week if it was only for the seven-day um, isolation. Yeah, they should have some. They should have a lot of them back, you'd imagine. Yeah. Um, but one player I did want to talk about, which I forgot to before when we asked about it, when we spoke about it, sorry, was Jack Darling. It was Paul. He looked a little bit underdone, and I saw a tweet that said this, so I'm going to repeat it, but... If, if only there was a way he could have been there the whole preseason to catch up to speed with everybody. Mm. You know, is this going to come back to bite him now? Where he's, I mean, he's lucky that West Coast don't have a side at the moment and they kind yeah. of have to play him. But yeah. they were a full team and he plays like that. He's not getting picked. Yeah. So, well, I mean, I wonder what the decision was there to change his mind to get himself vaccinated to play footy. I mean, there's obviously things that happened and we don't need to get into those. But, you know, he looked underdone. He didn't look ready. And it just makes you wonder, was he even training and... Away was, from the club, he was doing his own stuff, but but not not the same, is it? It's never the same. You're not getting you know that competitiveness that you get no. at training and those bigger bodies, and we, you're not going to just find randoms on the street to just contest with and take contested marks against up forward. So yep. it's never the same. But yeah, he looked a bit underdone, and it just yeah makes you 
makes you question his decision a little bit, doesn't it? Especially deciding to come back right before the season started. Yeah, exactly. No, yeah, he was... He, yeah, they were almost a player down with him yesterday. He was doing absolutely nothing. Um, but we know he, he's a superstar as well, so he'll um, hopefully bounce back from that. But I think Frio will win this one and they'll be really disappointed um, with their loss over yeah. the weekend as well. We, we said it last week, Freo aren't going to lose too many away from Optus. Um, I don't know this is the Derby, Derby, Tomato, Tomato, whatever it is, but they're, they're, they're going to beat West Coast, you'd yeah, have to imagine. That West Coast yeah. team they've got in, they're going to beat them. So. Yeah. Yeah. Freo for me. Freo for me. All right, that is round three. Um, all uh, it, Again, really exciting. and There's going to be a lot of stories out of that round, I'm sure. Um, but let's get into uh, your segment, Crimea River. But Crimea River this week, let me tell you, I'm very disappointed in the <laughs> AFL's decision, and I've said this before as well, to count the medical sub as a medical sub um, as having a game played. So, for example, if you're a medical sub, you might not get on the ground the whole game, but it counts as you playing a game on the stat sheet. And nothing is more annoying than a debutante being named as a sub. So, technically, his first game, he didn't play. Didn't get a touch, didn't get nothing. He didn't get on the ground. He's the medical sub the whole game. And for Tex Wanganin to be picked by the Bombers this week to be the medical sub and not play at all is, well, I think disrespectful to the Wanganin name, especially for what, you know, Gavin did at the club. Um, But just... The, deb- the debutant in general. I mean, if he's that close to being ready to play in the team, just hold him off. I'm sure there's another player that could easily be the medical sub and do just as an efficient of a job. Wait till he's ready to crack into the 22, then play him. Let him have his first game as something he's going to remember, something special. But now this poor kid's going to remember the rest of the rest of his life, his first game, he didn't play. Yeah. And I, I, I just can't... It baffles me as to why that's a thing. And I think that if you're a medical sub and you don't play, shouldn't count. Yep. And I heard one thing on SCMB brought up today, and I want to pose it to you as well. After three-quarter time, the medical sub just becomes a sub, and you can bring them on and use it as a tactical thing, that no one has to be injured after three-quarter time only, though. Yeah. Do you, do you like the sound of that? Yeah, to a certain extent. I just so it's not like it used to be where you had to sub the entire game, you could bring them on after the yeah. first quarter. You have to wait till three-quarter time, but both teams have the option to do so. So it's not you're not really getting... An advantage, if that makes sense. You don't have to wait for someone to be injured or anything like that. But after three quarter time, you can bring the sub on, and that way they get a game. I just, it just baffles me that they even count the sub as a, as a game it if should. they don't if they don't play. If you don't get on the ground, it doesn't it's doesn't count. Bizarre. In every other sport in the world, that does not count as a game. But then what? Then I guess there's that fine line where it's what if he gets brought on with two minutes to go and he's ran on the ground. That but, counts. But that, yeah, but, but that's a game. He's on. Yeah, I know. But it's a, it's a, you know it's one of those ones where it's a it's a bit like oh, really this. I mean, yeah, it can't, no. I know it technically counts, but then you could argue you could argue that this technically counts because you you're picked. Yeah, but you, you just sat on the bench the whole yeah, game. Yeah, you know what I mean. That's why it's a fine line for me. But I agree. I think if you, I do agree with you though. I think if you come on the ground, even if it's for thirty seconds, you've technically played. You got on the ground. But if you're medical sub and you do not get on, you should not be counting it as a game. It's no. just a little bit disrespectful, especially as a debutant. Especially as a debutant. Even if it, that is the rule, right? Don't pick a debutant mm, as a medical exactly. sub. It's disrespectful from the club's perspective. Yep. So, uh, yeah, it's not 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 about that. Yeah. No, completely agree, mate. Completely agree. All right, big call. You've been dwelling on this one. I can see your mind ticking. It's been racing all day. I think Gold Coast are going to finish eighth this season. Oh, a bit of a future big call. Yep. 
looking forward. I was trying to think of one for this round, but I, I didn't want to just say anything just for the sake of it. I just wanted to say something that I've been noticing over the first couple of weeks. And Gold Coast looked really good against Melbourne. You know, we know how good Melbourne are. Like they're going to smash a lot of teams this year. And Gold Coast really held their own against them. And um, they were impressive the week before. And I mean, I'm probably going to look so silly saying this, but I think they're probably going to finish eighth. I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibilities. Um, I've heard sillier things, like Collingwood finishing last. Or Carton winning the flag. <laughs> Carton winning the flag, that's <laughs> definitely a silly one. But um, look, it's I don't think it's uh, out of the reach of possibility. I think it's definitely a chance to happen. And I mean, if King was playing, you'd say even more so, but I still think they can probably get it done as well. So no, I'm loving your, your big call. Yep. Don't necessarily agree, but I, I do love it. I mean, it, it might not happen. Like, it probably won't happen, but I no, feel like big call. It will happen. Gold Coast always start confident. the season well, so that's what I'm cautious of. Yeah. But... I feel like you know, they've got they've got some unbelievable talent there, and they're developing oh, like they're a bit more mature now than they were a couple of years ago. So I feel like they will um, eight, no higher than eight, eight. That's it. All right, that's it. That's my big call. That's it. Huge. We love it. All right. Um, another big the, call. Another big week of footy. And that is us. That is us done. Um, yeah, huge. We love it. Footy's back. I'm like, like I've been thinking. I was thinking about this the other day. Like I'm. Actually, like this time last year, I was like, I genuinely lost a little bit, like a, a bit of love for footy. It makes such a big difference when your team is doing well, does oh, it not? I, oh, it does. Like, it does. I actually haven't haven't enjoyed footy over the last few years as much as I used to, just purely because my team has been so average. But then these first two weeks, I'm like, holy shit, like footy is that good. But I do, so, I do also. I mean, obviously, winning is the best feeling, and nothing beats it. But I do think there is something really special and. Not many fans, there are a lot of fans like it, but the, probably the majority aren't. And I feel like you and I are in the category that are, but at the type that we know we're probably going to go watch our team get spanked and we still rock up and watch them anyway. And it's yep. just, we just torture ourselves. But there's something more beautiful than that. And then getting to that stage where you start winning because you just appreciate it 20 times more. Yep. And yeah, I think there is something definitely beautiful in that. So despite having seen, you know, Carlton and me with Richmond be shit for a long period of time. Seeing them finally climb up the ladder and the ranks and play really good footy, it's uh, it's something pretty special. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and hopefully, it can continue throughout the year because um, yeah, it's been it's been a bloody good first two weeks, that's for sure. Um, but yeah, make sure you uh, leave us a review. Rate us. Spotify has the the rating system now, so make sure you leave us a good review on there. Subscribe to us on YouTube or a bad review. Be honest. I mean, yeah, we can do whatever you want to do. We'll delete it, just, but be honest. Just give us any sort of feedback. That'd be great. Um, Tell, tell me tell me, I'm off my head by picking Gold Coast to finish eighth. Tell um, me I'm better looking. Yeah. We know it. I mean, everyone knows that. <laughs> um, but yeah, make, and to see how good looking Quinn is, make sure you subscribe <laughs> to us on YouTube. Um, follow us on Instagram, all that sort of stuff. Twitter as well, even though Quinn forgets to post on there sometimes. Um, but yeah, make sure you, you, um, you look us up on all them, share them with your friends, and we'll, uh, we'll chat after round three.